Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Behind the Sounds. I am joined today for singer, songwriter, radio host, Rissy Palmer. Welcome and your lovely daughter is with you. Oh, thank you. We are we are very happy to be here with you today. It's great to see you. And obviously I know things are kind of opening up everywhere, but how has the past year been? Obviously, you've got two little ones. How's it been? Crazy? Um, it's been, it's, this is, it's been a really interesting time. Like on one side, it's been good because like my show launched during this time and, and, you know, I've been able to do a lot of really cool things because of that. But at the same time, I've also been doing homeschool. I have a 10 year old and a two year old. And so, and at the beginning of this, they were nine and, uh, eight months. Mm -hmm. So it was, um, it's hard <laughs> trying to juggle all that and and that sort of thing but you know we made it thank god mm, yeah. Okay, yeah and have you been able to kind of play any shows or do anything because obviously i know it's a bit different over there over here we're still kind of pretty locked down but i've been seeing shows and things have you had the opportunity to to play any shows or to do any performances um i actually did my first uh like big like with an audience like a large audience um, like a week ago, I performed wow. at the um, National Museum of African American Music, their Juneteenth celebration. Yeah. It was outside, and you know they had the audience back away from us, so they, you know, it wasn't like normal how it is. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, it's my first show, big show, and it was weird. Like I, I don't know, it's gonna take me a minute to adjust to being back into civilian life, so to speak. So it's yeah. yeah. It is strange and I suppose from doing uh, everything kind of from behind a screen just to see people is it quite overwhelming because you're you've literally had well you know 18 months off is, is it quite kind of scary? Um yeah in a lot of ways yeah it is I mean you know we um we actually got COVID me and the whole family oh, no. um in April of this year and so, you know, after a year of being careful, I was traveling and I got sick and yeah. my husband got sick and my oldest got sick. And um, so that was like the big thing that we were afraid of was getting it. And then after we got it, it's just like, you know, now, OK, so we don't we don't have to worry about the first strain. But now there's other strains and there's. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it is. It is a little it's a little nerve wracking. Yeah, but, um, you know, we try to be very careful and all the promoters that I work with, that's one of the stipulations of me working with them is that, you know, we, we do things very carefully and protect people. Yeah, definitely. And so going back, you know, pre-COVID, obviously throughout this time, everyone's done different things, virtual shows. You have had a very productive year, it seems, <laughs> from the outskirts. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about the radio sta um, station and the show um, towards the end because I have so many questions. Sure. But how kind of have you been focusing on on new music or, or what's kind of have you had to just kind of taking whatever you can? So I had this conversation with my best friend yesterday and I was just like, this is so not like me to have new music not ready. Because I'm very, like, I'm very resolute and very productive when it comes to, like, if I say that there's going to be an album, there's going to be an album, damn it. And so I, because of the show and because of all the other things that have kind of opened up because of the show, 
I have been kind of busy, <laughs> just kind of nuts. And so, um, like I'm taking today after this, I'm writing mm -hmm. and, um, and then next week I'm going to be doing a bunch of writing. I'm trying really hard. Like I'm trying to do the show ahead of time so that I have more time to write. Yeah, and definitely. That way. But yeah, it's, um, I've been very productive on my show, not so productive on my songwriting. <laughs> That's all right. Well, you know, it's a win-win situation because as you say, the show's opened up so much. Um, but so let's go back. So you're, you've been you've been writing and, and performing and singing for, for a while. But back when you were when you were young, when you were growing up, what were, were your kind of influences? What did you listen to? Because your music has so many influences. Yeah, no, I am I am a I am a musical gumbo and it's really because of the music that was played in our house. I grew up in a house where my parents played, you know, James Taylor and Shaka Khan and Kenny Rogers and Aretha Franklin and Earth, Wind and Fire and the Oak Ridge Boys and all that kind of stuff. So like we listened to everything and it wasn't strange for us to listen to everything, just because that's just how my parents' musical palette was. So that was, that kind of set the stage for who I am and the type of artist I am and all of that. Yeah. And, um, you know, as far as influences are concerned, I was very influenced by, like, I love Phoebe Snow. She's one of my favorite artists and actually was an inspiration to um, start playing the guitar. Yeah. Because I loved the way that the music sounded. And then, um, you know, in that, I was very inspired by, I, I'm a huge Patty Griffin fan, like huge Patty Griffin fan. And um, when I heard her first album when I was 19, it was kind of like life changing. Because it was just like, it was one of the most personal, raw like vocal up front, guitar up front, and like that's it. Like no no production magic or mm -hmm. anything. It's just very raw. And I was like, that's what I want to be. Like I want to be emotion first, vocal first, and then you know all the other frills and all that kind of stuff second. And yeah, I just I I think I gravitated to country in particular because I loved the songwriting aspect of it and how that kind of drove everything else. Mm -hmm. And I also loved, the, I just love the way the singers were singing. I love the way that it just felt very um, vulnerable and very out front and that sort of thing. And so I tend to gravitate towards, like I said, the singer songwriters and big voices. Like I love, I love a vocal gymnastic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and yeah just really great storytellers yeah definitely and was there a time you kind of remember that you were like right this is what I want to do I want to sing is there is there any particular moment or did you think you were just born to do it I think I was just born to do it like I was looking at my baby book um and my mom wrote when I was two like she sings constantly talking about me and I, I remember that. Like, I remember, like, being really small and just walking around and making up songs. Yeah. And so I think I've always wanted to be a songwriter. I think, and a, and a singer, I think the moment that it gelled for me, though, like, this is something you can do for a living, 
was my mom took me to see dream girls when i was five and i was aware that this was a play but i was just like these people get to go around and wear really pretty dresses and sing every night on stage and people clap for them. I was like, mm-hmm. this, I need this. <laughs> this is what, I wanna be a part of this. If this is the thing that you can do, then I wanna do this. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, the, I think that's the moment when it was like, huh, you can do this as a living. Yeah. And when was the first time, so you're just saying, you know, inspired you to play the guitar. And when was the first time you picked up a guitar? Do you remember? Oh my God. It was when I was 19. I, um, I had just left college. And I was like going to gung-ho pursue music. I had told my parents, I had hooked up with managers. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, over the summer before I started my freshman year of college when I was 17, I, um, you know, we went and we recorded demos and we tried a bunch of different things. And then, you know, they were the ones that encouraged me to go forward with the country thing. And so they were like, well, you know, it'll help your songwriting if you know how to play. Mm-hmm. And so I started taking guitar lessons that next year, that next summer when I turned 19. And, um, you know, I had already had previous experience playing the piano. So the moment that my guitar instructor showed me that a guitar is basically a piano, mm-hmm. play it out and like yeah. the fret are the black and white keys. It was like, like a light bulb went off and you know, with me being a singer, it was a little, I won't say it was easy to pick up, but it was easier to pick up because I just was like, okay, I have to play to the rhythm of how I'm singing. Yeah. So I was able to pick up rhythm a little bit easier than if I was just learning the guitar just to play the guitar, I think. Yeah, and 19, because that's quite late in, in quite yeah, music, musician time terms yeah. to pick it up. So it, I suppose, obviously, the piano helped. But did you feel that kind of when you started playing, did it all start to make sense? You were like, yeah, this suits me. It took me a year. I'll be honest with you. That first year was hard. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> And I tell everybody, like, when you're when you're playing the guitar, you have to allow yourself just six months for your fingers to even get mm-hmm. used to. And then, you know, anything after that is just you learning the foundational parts. It was hard because I was just like, oh, I'm a singer. Why do I have to do this? But it really does. It changes the way you write. It changes the way you sing. It changes the way you think when you have an instrument in your hand. And it made me a better writer. I think it made me a better writer. I think it made me a better singer. And um, yeah. Uh, it, it it definitely changed my artistry completely. Mm-hmm, definitely. And so am I right in saying when you when you were younger, you got offered an R&B recording contract that you, you, you declined. So talk me through that process of because <laughs> obviously being offered a recording contract is not often that people would turn it down. So can you tell me kind of how it happened and then obviously why you chose to turn it down? Um, so I was at a party with my managers. I was I'm trying to think how old I was. I think I was like 19. I was 19, about to be 20. And I was at a party um, with my managers and I ran into Terry Lewis. And my managers were very much about like, at the time, they were very much about spectacle. So like, I would go places and have my guitar on my back. And it's like, you're in a nightclub. Why are you wearing that guitar? (laughs) 
And so it's just really crazy stuff like that. But like it worked because mm-hmm. it would make people say like, okay, well, who is this, you know, this young black girl in this club with this guitar on her back? Like what is happening? So I ran into Terry Lewis at this party and he was just like, do you play that thing? And I said, I do. And he's just like, really? And I, I said, yeah, I, you know, and I introduced him. I'm Reese Palmer. I'm country singer. You're a country singer. I was like, yeah. And he's like, what are you doing here? And just like, you know, the questions. And so he was intrigued and I don't think he believed me. And I gave him my demo and this demo had been recorded by Deborah Allen, the country singer. And I recorded like five of her songs and we did it in Nashville. And, you know, this demo had gotten me meetings with, with record labels in Nashville and, and with agencies and all kinds of stuff. And so a lot of people, it garnered a lot of interest. And um, anyway, so I just, I left it with him and we gave him my manager's business card and we gave him the demo and, and that was that. And we went on about, he you know went on and I went on. So like literally the next day, we got a phone call and he was just like, how long are you guys going to be in Los Angeles? We need to have a meeting. And so he set up a meeting for like the next day. And we, we went to their hotel where they were staying and um, in like this banquet room, like the small bank room. And it was Terry and his head of A&R and his head of PR. And for like, hours we just sat in this room and I sang for them and we talked and we talked music and I talked about their music and 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 how it influenced me and who my influences were and what I wanted to be and all that and I got offered a deal like that night and um it was amazing and we were so excited and this was going to be great and all these good things were going to happen and Once we started talking about the project, it became clear that they weren't interested in going country and understandably so, because that's not what they do. They were just like, you know, we, we love you. We like you a lot. And we think we see a lot of potential for you. And, you know, country is not the only thing that you can do. Like you can do so many other things. We hear pop, we hear R&B, we hear this, we hear that. And like, you know, we like that you play the guitar and we can keep that as a part of what you do, but like, we just don't see it um, for the country. And I was like, okay. And I thought about it and I agonized over it. And, and, and my managers and I really just kind of thought it through. And it was just like, this is a great opportunity. I don't know that this is your opportunity. Mm-hmm. And after a lot of thought and a lot of conversation and, and, and soul searching and praying and all that, I, I opted not to take the deal. Yeah. And, and that was a big move. Oh, it was huge. Like it was, and I, for years, I was like, I totally made the, the wrong decision. But like, I, I truly believe that I wouldn't be where I am right now in this moment if I hadn't stuck to my guns. Mm-hmm and done what I did. And ironically, I ran into Terry Lewis and Jimmy Jam last week. Wow. And was I haven't seen them in years. And so I didn't think that they would remember me. And a, another person was like, oh, you know, Reese, this is Reese. And Terry's like, of course I know Reese. She's the only woman that's ever said no to me. <laughs> and we laughed and he was just like, I'm proud of you. Yeah, and wow. like you, you stuck to your guns, 
And um, I just really was like, that meant a lot to me. Mm-hmm. And to do it so young as well. Yeah. You don't hear that often. So obviously looking back, do you kind of think how brave that was? Obviously <laughs> someone who's starting out. And if you say someone came to you now and was like, what do you do? Would you tell them to do what you did and just be yourself and stick to your guns? I mean, it's the only way I know. Like it's the only journey. It's the only road that I know. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what would have happened if I had signed that deal. It, it could have been great. Mm-hmm. You know, I could be Beyonce right now. Like, who knows? But like, I can't, I can't live in that because I don't know. Like yeah. I chose this path. And so this is what I know. Um, would I recommend, I mean, if a person, if they felt like it was, it was what their gut was telling them, or if they felt like it wasn't the right thing, then yeah, I would encourage you to do that. I don't know if I felt like it was brave. Because I'll be honest, there were other factors in there too. Like one of the things in the contract was they didn't want me to work with the managers that I was working with. They didn't want the type of deal that would have included them. Mm -hmm. Um, And at that time, you know, I wanted to be very loyal to them because I felt like, you know, all these things were happening because of our working relationship. Mm -hmm. So that played a factor in it as well. And um yeah, ultimately, I think, I don't know that I would call it brave. I just think that it was me following my gut. Yeah, I love that. And it obviously worked because yeah. <laughs> you've had such an amazing career since then. Um, so you obviously ended up, your first EP came out in country. Um, it, it seems like it wasn't as long as go, ago as it was. <laughs> but like, it was, what, 15 years ago, is it? Yeah. Your first EP. <laughs> that is amazing. And looking back record you know what well, I suppose when that came about and, and you recorded it and it was country and, and it got a really good reception obviously I know you worked with CMT um was that kind of solidified it for you that you were like right this is it this is the path this is great yeah um yeah I mean the first time I heard country girl on the radio was a, a mind-blowing experience and the first time I saw the video on CMT was like <laughs> And yeah. so it was, um, yeah, it made me feel like, okay, I'm, I'm supposed to do this. Like, this is supposed to happen. And, and then, you know, then you, once you're like, okay, we've done it. This is great. Now you have to work on the longevity part of it mm-hmm. and, and, and moving it past just this initial, okay, great. You're here. Okay. Now what? And yeah. so, um, you know, I think every artist questions am I doing the right thing like when things kind of stagnate or when they don't go exactly the way you wanted to because we just knew that country girl was going to be a humongous huge hit and then it wasn't and then we put out no air and we just knew that no air was that this is it this is the thing that's gonna and then it didn't mm-hmm. so you know you, you you end up questioning a lot whether mm-hmm. or not you did the right thing or if you're doing the right thing yeah and you say you know it wasn't a huge hit but they you got a great reception and it was oh, yeah, kind of sure. you know your name was out there but how long kind of how long I suppose you kind of ride the wave of an EP don't you or of an album how long did you kind of feel that that wave was and then what kind of happened after because I know obviously you had the am I right in saying you had the EP and then you added on the kind of deluxe edition with which had no air which was obviously yeah. went out and and it was great and people loved it. But what, how long was that kind of whole process for you? 
Well, okay, so yeah, that's actually a great question because a lot of people think that it happened in like a really short period of time, but that's actually not true because I was signed longer than, you know, than the album had come out. So I signed with 1720 in 2006 and started working on the album immediately. A lot of those songs that were on the first album, I had written like when I was 19 years old, when I first came to Nashville. And so it was from 19 to 26 that I was writing this album. And then um, we started recording and then we brought in other songs and that sort of thing. So then Country Girl came out in 2007. We were still recording the album at that time. We were still adding new songs and that sort of thing. And then I did, so the first technical release was an EP that I did for Starbucks. It yeah. was a song EP and it had these songs that I had recorded, but we ended up not putting on the album. And so we had these leftover things. And so we're like, well, let's put that on the Starbucks. So then that came out first. And then the the full length album came out later on in 2008. And um, yeah, I mean, you spend your whole life writing your first album. Yeah. Feels like. And then it's over like that, mm-hmm. like really fast. And so we put the album out and then in 2009, my label was talking about, I was ready, like people, I don't think people realize that aren't in the music business that albums have a really short shelf life. Yeah. Once you put them out and once you work a single and like if the single stalls or if the single just dies on the vine, record labels tend to want to just like, okay, let's, so let's get to the next thing. Mm -hmm. Just so it's fresh and people still care and like you're still a part of the news cycle and all that. And my label, so I was ready to go and go back in and record new stuff, but my label didn't want to. And instead, they just wanted to tack on new songs, hence No Air. Mm-hmm. So then No Air was a re- like trying to refresh the album. And then we worked No Air into 2009. And it got to be just like gridlock mm-hmm. on, yeah. on the country charts. And we just couldn't get it past the 30s. And we tried and we tried and we tried and we tried and it was just, it wasn't working. And so we just decided, um, that was when a lot of the issues started with me and the label. And it just felt like a, it felt like really ridiculous to try to re-release this album with No Air, even though they did. Mm. After I was gone, after I left the album, they re-released it. But yeah, it, it just got to be stagnant. Like the whole situation just became really stagnant and I felt really stifled as an artist. Yeah. And how, I wasn't aware that, I don't obviously you knew you left, but so how does it feel as an artist when you leave a label and then they, they release your music? Does it kind of feel like they've, <laughs> they've stolen it in a way? I suppose I mean, it must be really strange. They still are. I mean, like it still is going on today and I haven't been signed for like 13 years. Um, yeah. I, um, it was really, you feel like not an artist, like not a human, Mm -hmm. you feel like a product. And that was how I was starting to feel. And, you know, I was being asked to do things that I really didn't want to do. And that I didn't want to be a part of that. I didn't think were going to be helpful. 
Um, I had new management by this time and they were advising like, you know, I don't think these moves are smart. I don't think this is a good idea. And that facilitated me leaving. And so the way that I had to leave was I filed bankruptcy. And from filing bankruptcy, I had to, I gave up my rights to my master's. Mm-hmm. And um, so they still own my master's and I don't have any control over what happens with my that album. Mm-hmm. I have no say, no control yeah. over that. And um, they can pretty much do anything they want to. Like they've re-released the album twice. And so on for a time on streaming, there were two different versions of one album. And so it was very confusing and it and it, you know, it made tracking it for accounting purposes hell. <laughs> But um, yeah, I mean, it was unfortunately the consequence of me deciding that I couldn't be in that situation anymore. Yeah. And obviously, you know, we soon run it. But do you feel like with with the whole situation, you just followed your gut? You know, you did what was right for you at the end of the day. Um, Yeah, I think I did what was right for my sanity. Yeah. It was not a healthy, by the time it was over, it it was not, not a healthy situation anymore. And I didn't know, I didn't know what to do. Like, I didn't know how else to do it. And so all we could do was leave. Like, all I could do was leave. Like, that was the only, it was either that or lose my mind. Mm -hmm. And so, um, because it it was, it was like, I can't stress enough how difficult that situation had gotten and how unhealthy the situation was. And I just, I, I couldn't do it anymore. Yeah, and going forward, you know, a few years later, a very, a, a much change of scenery, <laughs> because you released, <laughs> and I love this about you, you released a children's album. I did. And it's not often you, you see artists who have had, uh, you know, an album out that do that and I think it's so, and I suppose for you as well maybe some light relief from all the stress oh my god so, yeah. it was it was it was um huh. so I did that album because once I left Nashville and once I left the record company I was not sure that I would ever make music again like I was so sour to the experience and and to what happened during that time. And um, I had gotten married and I was pregnant, excuse me. Oh, I got married and I was pregnant with my oldest daughter. And I was just, you know, I was at home. I was living in North Carolina and I was decorating the nursery and, you know, and, and chilling. And so <laughs> Um, once my daughter was born and I started taking her to baby music classes and stuff, I realized how much I miss singing mm-hmm. and how much I miss making music. And I didn't know, um, I was like, I know that I don't want to do it the way that I used to do it, but this might be really fun. Yeah. And this is something that I can do with my daughter and I can, we can enjoy together and, and, and it, you know, it's interesting. Like, let's see where this goes. Yeah. So I made the album and I did it with my friends, with people that I've been collaborating with for years and that I loved and that I knew loved me. And so it was a very comfortable situation. It was Mm -hmm. a safe, 
comfortable situation. And I suppose looking back as well, obviously you said your daughter was, was you were pregnant with her and then she was born. How nice is that to have that experience and to have it there to look back on with her? Oh, absolutely. And like, you know, she was, she was with us in the studio when we recorded the album. So like we put her little baby crib in the vocal booth and she took yeah. naps while we recorded the vocals. And you know, they were, my husband and my daughter were very much a part of that process. And it was nice. Mm-hmm. It was my first recording experience that was on my terms. Yeah, amazing. And then you kind of went back to doing to normal music and, well, not, not, you know, to do no, your country. I know, and you, say, like, <laughs> yeah, normal, just... you know what I mean. <laughs> um, but am I right in saying you used a Kickstarter campaign? to fund your was it 2015 your your ep which mm-hmm. i love because again you know you've got people that that want to help and want to be a part of it and what gave you was it kind of doing the children's music did it give you the confidence to go back absolutely. and do your own music again absolutely i'm glad that the the children's album was our first project mm-hmm. because that helped me build myself up I did a few shows I mean because I just I, I I don't think people get it like I developed like a, an extreme amount of anxiety around performing after my situation and I needed to build myself up again I needed to get back out and and I was playing coffee houses I went from being on tour and playing the Grand Ole Opry in the White House and having a TV show and all these things to like playing coffee houses for 20 people mm-hmm. again but I yeah. needed that because I had to build my, I had to build the house again. Yeah. And so, yeah, the Kickstarter, I never will do one again. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it was good for me. It was yeah. good for me to do. And does it give you confidence in the sense that these, I'm sure a lot of the people that kind of donated were people you knew, but a lot of strangers or fans from previous years, does that give you confidence that there are people out there that, that wanted to hear that new music from you? Yeah, it totally did. I mean, you know, like the the, the market will tell you whether or not you're valuable <laughs> <laughs> as, a, as, a, as a product, I should say, not as a human being, but mm-hmm. it made me feel extremely confident. Okay, like, they actually do want to hear me because yeah. I was scared. Like, I, I, I don't think, yeah, I, I didn't realize how anxious I was about it. I was scared that nobody was going to give us money mm-hmm. and that it was going to be rough. And it mostly came from strangers. My family, of course, helped, but it was mostly strangers. That's incredible. And then I, I love that that then skyrocketed into another album, which, uh, so 2019, the revival album, which is, if, if you're listening to this and you haven't listened to that album, go and listen, because it is, it's, I find it a very full circle album, you know, if, especially if you listen to your previous music and there are some, some incredible, incredible tracks on there. Um, Seeds obviously, obviously being one of them. Um, I did want to, if you're happy to, can you tell me a little bit about that song? Because I think it's such a, it was such a kind of catalyst and a conversation, conversational song. Um, and obviously a lot of them conversations have happened this past year, as you know, but you were kind of ahead of the curve, ahead of the game, you know? Um, so can you tell us a little bit about the the process of, of writing that song and it being the lead single of, of your, your album revival? Absolutely. Um, Seeds was actually written in 2014. And so it was right before we did the Kickstarter for the Back Porch Sessions. 
but I didn't feel like it fit with that group of songs. And I'm really glad that I held on to it. Um, but anyway, I wrote it after the murder of Michael Brown here in um, Ferguson, Missouri. I'm from Missouri, I grew up in Missouri. And um, so a lot of the frustration and anger that a lot of people felt in the neighborhood, it was palpable. And it was a, it was an anger and a frustration and a tension that I knew from being in Missouri and, and being in St. Louis and something that's been around for a long time there. And so I wanted to write something that spoke to all of that, but was positive because that I try to, I try to stay on the positive side whenever mm -hmm. I'm talking about these things, even when they're hard, even when, you know, it's a hard topic or it's, it's an unpleasant topic. I tried to stay on the positive side. And so I saw the quote, they tried to cut us down. They didn't know that we were seized. And I was like, that's perfect. Cause that's exactly what this moment calls for. It calls for us to remember who we are and the power that we have in this situation. And so I wrote the song um, again with friends and had no idea what was coming down the pipe in the United States. I had no idea. I could sense it, but I had no idea. And in 2019, I just happened to link up with this really great videographer, um, Emil Gallardo, and he wrote a treatment to the song. And I just was like, oh, this is it. He gets it. And so we did this video and we wanted it to be a catalyst for people to vote in the midterm elections at that point, which is why we put it out in 2018. This yeah. season came out in 2018. And that's why at the end of the video, it says go vote and, and it has the date and all that stuff. So yeah, I I just, I wanted the song to, to, to spark something in people and I wanted it to make, mobilize people. Mm -hmm. and give inspiration to, you know, work towards the change that we need, that we so desperately need to see in our society. So yeah, that's, that's what was behind scenes. And it's the first time I'd ever done anything like that. And um, I think a lot of people were taken aback by the video. And because the visuals, it's hard. It, it yeah. totally is. And um, I think it was the first time that I had been like political and um, even though I've been this way always, but it was the first time that I, I was overtly political and it turned a lot of people off. Yeah. And, and yeah. so with that, obviously, again, it, you're, you're releasing new music in you know, your first in a few years. And is it a question that you say, is this right to do it? And are people going to turn off, you know, because for obviously it was a positive, you know, it got a positive reaction for the most part but those people that aren't gonna like it does that sit in the back of your mind when you're thinking I'm gonna release this or do you just think no this is this is me this is what needs to be said it needs to come out and and you go with it um for me for that particular song I yes I was very much like no this needs to be said and I'm gonna say it and I don't care like I know that people yeah. are gonna be unhappy and that's fine but I felt so passionately about what I was saying that it didn't matter. I was just like, if you don't like it, then that's okay. That's mm -hmm. fine. I'm not gonna, um, it's your right. You don't have to listen to it. They haven't made my music mandatory. And so- <laughs> <laughs> They so, should. 
I agree, but no, you know, it's not like, it's not like it's being piped into your home. Mm -hmm. And so if you don't want to listen to it, you don't have to, and that's fine. And I'm okay with that because I feel so strongly about this, that if you hate this, then most likely you're not going to like me. Mm -hmm. So it's fine. Yeah. And most people do like, (laughs) (laughs) but but it's so great. And as I said, you kind of, you know, a lot of obviously discussions have happened this past year and it's, it's come to the forefront of, of more people's minds, I suppose. Um, So is it kind of really nice to see that you had that and that song, I suppose a lot of people may be listening to more so this year or in the past kind of 18 months. and, And you know that it's, it's still prominent today and it probably still will be, you know, unfortunately for, for years to come. Um, but does that kind of, how does that make you feel that, you know, it's, it's going to be a really important song um, going forward? Um, I mean, it makes me really, it's kind of a mixed bag. Um, I'm excited because it's something that I wrote and something that I feel really strongly about. And, and I love, it's one of my favorite songs of mine. Um, in the same breath, I wish songs like that weren't necessary. Mm-hmm. I wish that we lived in a culture and a society that we don't have to worry about those things. And we don't have to worry about protesting and fighting and, 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 and working towards equality and that sort of thing. But unfortunately we do. And so, unfortunately the song will probably remain relevant for a while. Mm-hmm. I, I look forward to the day where it's not. Yeah. Definitely. It's kind of bittersweet to Yeah, to very much it's gonna be. Yeah. Um and so look, we've got to talk about it because we're gonna have to wrap up shortly, but I there's so many questions I have. Um so last summer in August, the best quarantine project you could possibly have done. Um Apple Music Country Radio was created. You were part of that and they gave you a show, Colour Me Country, and it is wonderful, you know, you have so many guests incredible people Mickey Guyton Darius Rucker I know you've had people like Mara Morris and Cam and Chapel Heart everyone um in in your own words for people that may not have listened what is Color Me Country? Color Me Country like you said was my quarantine project I actually started it in March of 2020 Uh, it was something that a very good friend of mine had been encouraging me to do for years and I just didn't have the time or I didn't think that people would want to listen. And basically it's my love letter to artists of color in the country music and Americana space. And it's my love letter to the past, to the present and to the future. And, and really a love letter to country music because it's really not great that the whole story is not is being is not being told. Mm-hmm. And as much as I love this music, I feel like we deserve white, black, yellow, orange, whoever, we deserve to have the full story told. And the full story is is that people of color have have been a part of this all along just as much as everyone else. And a lot of the icons and 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 legends of country music have been influenced directly or indirectly by people of color. And so they, those people deserve to be a part of the larger story. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with my experience as an artist in the industry and my curio- my general curiosity about these things and um, 
the fact that I'm a peer to a lot of these people, meaning I'm also a musician. I'm also, you know, a songwriter. I'm also, I've also done the radio tour. I've been on the Opry. I've done all the same things that a lot of you have done. We have like this starting point that a lot of musicians don't have with journalists. And, and you can be an incredible journalist, but if you've never been on a radio tour or if you've never been on a tour bus or any of these things, then like, it's, it's still like, an outside looking in type of situation. And mm -hmm. so I wanted to create a place where people felt like they were talking to someone who understands, like, I know where you're coming from. I know what that means. I've been there. I know that person, or you know what I mean? Yeah. And it, I wanted it to be a safe space and you can say anything. You don't have to worry about anyone retaliating against you because you said this to me, mm -hmm. because, you know, I know what you're saying. Nine times out of 10, I probably feel the same way. And yeah, and that's what Color Me Country is. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I've been, you know, I was very fortunate that I had done like 24 episodes on my own by the time Apple came into the picture. Yeah. And a good friend had introduced me to Apple and, and told them, you know, you need to, you need to get on this. And, you know, and they did, they believed in my vision they believed in what I was working on and, and what I wanted to do, what I was trying to do and gave me wings basically. And yeah. that's what I've been doing ever since. Yeah, and it has had the most incredible reception. Um, yeah. <laughs> you've had some amazing guests. I I'm curious, what would it have been, you know, what would it have meant to you if when you started, you know, 15 years ago, if you would have had a space like that to not only promote your music, but obviously have that, that safe space and that place to to talk about you know how you were feeling and and to advertise your music what would it have meant for you to have someone like that when you started out oh it would have been huge it would have been huge and I think I'm sorry I'm moving around um <laughs> I'm trying to watch my daughter she's out on the porch um it would have been huge to have someone to talk to and someone to um expose my music when certain people were not, when the mainstream was not being supportive, it would have been awesome. Mm -hmm. But, um, and I think that's the catalyst for a lot of the work that I do with the show. Because like, you know, people come on the show, but like a lot of these people I talk to on a regular basis. And I've made it clear that we have an open door policy at the show. Like if you ever need anything, if you have new music, send it to me. Mm -hmm. if, if you just need to talk, if you wanna vent, about something I'm here and like I want to as much as is possible with a structured show I want to try to be there for everybody and and mm -hmm. be there as much as I can and be that space where like you know terrestrial radio is not playing you but I will yeah and and yeah and and that's that's I'm trying to be the person that I needed yeah and, and as I said, you know, it, it's been so great. And it's opened a lot of doors for you as well, hasn't it? So oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> you have been so busy, <laughs> it seems. So what does that mean in, in the sense of, you know, what's next for you? Are you, is this kind of going forward, you're going to be hosting or music or are you just going to take what comes? Um, I'm a very like, you know, let the, let the universe unfold in front of you. And mind you, that's not an easy way to be. 
when you're like a when you're try. <laughs> very type A, you're like, I need to know what I'm doing yeah. tomorrow. And so music, yeah, I'm the worst at that because like, I always want to know and I need to know and what's the next year going to be like and that sort of thing. But I'm very much trying to let the universe unfold, let God, let God work. And um, yeah, hosting is definitely something that I'm going to continue to do. I'm actually working on a couple other projects. Um, doing the artist grant fund is something that's really fun to do and exciting. And, and it makes me really happy to be able to help people in like a very small way, but like just to give them a little nudge of, mm-hmm. of, of confidence. Um, and music, like I, always like I have to bring it back to music because like that's what got me here and that's what I love and like that's my passion like I love hosting but I love singing Mm -hmm. so you know I'm working on like I said in the beginning I'm working (laughs) on trying to write and, and get this album done so I can have music out there so I can get back out on the road and that sort of thing so yeah I'm just um, and, and, and then the CMT, I forgot about that, the CMT hosting gig yeah. and all that. Like it's, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a full life, but I'm just, you know, I'm excited to see what comes next. And, and while also keeping focused on my focus. Yeah, is- um, I'm sure we are going to be seeing a lot of you and I'm excited to see what's to come. Um, but I'm going to let you go. But before I do, I have three questions I ask everyone. And as you just said, we're going to bring it back to the music. They are the same three questions um, and they're all around threes. So um, firstly, can you can you name three songs that you wish you'd have written? Oh, my gosh. More okay. than three, but. Um, I Can't Make You Love Me by Bonnie Raitt. Song just kills me. Mm-hmm. Um, Barley by the birds of chicago i just adore that song and allison russell is like a gift to the universe um and new again by leanne womack it is one of my favorite songs and i just it's tied actually there's another song i'm gonna cheat and throw a fourth <laughs> one. Do it. Le- uh, leanne the two leanne's leanne rhymes probably wouldn't feel this way is my <laughs> other kills yeah just right through <laughs> i love that they were quick answers though that was good oh, no, I <laughs> you got that <laughs> um and then three albums you couldn't live without Ooh, that one might be harder okay um patty griffin living with ghosts um oh my gosh um joni mitchell the blue album mm-hmm. um and indiari acoustic soul nice and we have to mention 50 years of blue this year i know no i know oh. amazing and yeah. stands as amazing today as it did i'm sure 50 it, years ago it's one of the best albums like i i pulled it out the other day on the 50th anniversary and just played it and i was just like it still kills me mm-hmm I discovered it when I was 21 like it it just it kills it really does I always I think this year you know that was the 50 years and and tapestry Carol King 50 years and I'm like the two greatest albums (laughs) was a good year for music that year (laughs) um and my final question for you 
can you name normally I say kind of can you name three artists or songwriters anyone that you you haven't yet worked with and um, you'd like to work with but I'm going to throw in hosts as well because you know you're a host as well now so just three people that you haven't had a chance to work with that you'd really like to work with in the future um Oprah yeah there we go <laughs> <laughs> let's just let's just start at the start high. she might um, listen it's fine we can make it oh happen gosh. I would, it would be a dream. I study her. Like she and Terry Gross mm -hmm. are my two templates, my interview um, templates. Like that's who I aspire to be when I grow yeah. up and become a real, <laughs> when I become <laughs> a real host, like that's who I want to be. Um, oh, wow. Patty Griffin is one. Um, I'm just, I adore Patty Griffin and I've always wanted to sing with her. Um, I'm trying to think I would love to sing these are hard questions this is good it's just these are hard questions um babyface like I would love to work with babyface I think babyface is amazing he's one of the best songwriters ever um and Leanne Rhymes, I think she's just like, she's one of my favorite singers. I just think she's like a perfect singer. Like yeah. there's not a lot of people that are just like perfect. Sing I think she's like perfect singer because she's like the mixture of, there's a lot of soul, but there's the country and like, it's just, it's like a great mix. And it's funny, a lot of the people that I interview on the show, a lot of young women, that's their go-to. Leanne is like the common mm -hmm. denominator. Which is amazing because she had, I mean, I know she was the masked singer. She's not like an old she, lady. Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But she, she, because she, you know, peaked so young, I suppose, you don't often hear, you know, her music being played on the radio or anything right. anymore. But so I love that you're hearing of people that, that love her and are aspiring to be her because, yeah, I agree. She is just a, a perfect. Yeah. I would say that most of my interviews, like, it's really funny, like, Mickey Guyton and I, we had a moment on when I interviewed her where we just talked about Leanne for, like, 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. Just, like, we both were, like, she's just, like, and Chapel Heart, same thing. Like, it was just, like, and that's, and, and that's, like, girls of a certain, all of us in our 30s and, and under, like, mm -hmm. were, grew up under Leanne, and she's a girl of her 30s, and yeah. so, like, it's funny to hear us like oh yes Leanne like she's like a 65 year old woman but like yeah. she's but she's think, really not <laughs> yeah I think she's younger than me and so it's but she really she for the time that she was in she made a really big mark I think she, she really did and I love that more people I mean the mass singer you know she had that experience and now even more people are going to discover her because they're going to be like right. And it's great. Um, I, yeah, a big fan. And so, but thank you so much. They are great answers. And I oh, hope in the future I get to watch you hosting with Oprah or singing with Leanne. And don't forget about me when you do. Absolutely. No, Leah, thank you so much for having me. I thank you. It has been, it has been wonderful. Thank you so much. And I look forward to uh, hearing all the things to come for you. Thank you. No, I, I, like I said, I appreciate it. you asked great questions. So thank you.